Dallas is home to what was once the largest gay congregation in America. And they've been evolving, moving into a more traditional denomination. And there are challenges that come with that, but also opportunities. How are they navigating those changes? The senior pastor of Cathedral of Hope, Neil Cazares Thomas, will be with us on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, your host, and I'm delighted to welcome to our program today my friend and colleague, Neil Cazares Thomas. It's always good to be in your company, George. Thank you so ah, much, Neil. Great to be here. Well, to introduce you a little further, uh, we should say that Neil is the senior pastor of the Cathedral of Hope Church here in Dallas, uh, United Church of Christ congregation. And it has not always been so, but uh, it has been for the last, well, about 12 years now, I guess. But the church itself has a remarkable story, uh, a significant place in the history of Dallas and its religious community. Uh, started in 1970, so you are coming up on your 50th mm -hmm. anniversary yes, yeah. before very, long, 2020, soon. right? Yep. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, remarkable. Well, uh, and Neil has been the pastor. You've been the pastor here for uh, just... Uh, well, it's been three years, a little more than three years, right? Yeah. So yep. let's talk a little bit, uh, Neil, about what attracted you to Cathedral of Hope and, and something about its history and your sense of its place in the ecology of religious life in Dallas. So as you, as you say, uh, Cathedral is nearly 50 years old. Um, it was founded uh, by a group of folks who had heard about uh, a group of people who had started meeting in Los Angeles in California uh, that Reverend Troy Perry had uh, brought mm -hmm. together. Um, after his sense of call and realization, uh, after leaving the Pentecostal church for numerous reasons, mm -hmm. um, that God was speaking to him that it was time for um, God's gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender folk to find religious homes. And in that period, there were not many right. churches who were opening their doors openly to LGBT folks. And so he gathered this group of folks together um, in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, and that particular congregation saw its mission as um, you know, bringing, bringing this to other metropolitan areas in, 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 the, in the United States. Right, so it, it actually began as part of the movement called the Metropolitan Community Churches. Yep, yep. Uh, in 1968. And then uh, a group of folks from Dallas uh, went to meet with Troy in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. And uh, as is Troy's um, remarkable way, um, he basically said, here's a Bible, go preach. Yeah. Um, they returned to Dallas and the 12 of them uh, founded uh, this, uh, the Metropolitan Community Church of Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, and from that uh, grew the, this incredible um, congregation and uh, for the Metropolitan Community Church is a worldwide denomination. Right, and when you say grew, we really mean grew. Yeah. I mean, this, this church, which, which numbers now a membership of about 4,500 or so? About 4,500, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, is, uh, it took off uh, it, in, in that first uh, generation uh, in a spectacular way and uh, has been uh, you know, a vibrant presence in the city all during that period of time. So, uh, but then probably one of the most uh, challenging periods of time, of course, was during the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, um, 
the, the scourge of HIV and AIDS and what that did to uh, the community and, and its role in, the, in Dallas. Well, I, if I may just back up just oh, a sure, little sure. bit, because um, the interesting thing is, if you know, if you believe in for such a time as this, yes, um, what was incredible about the story of the cathedral as it emerged in, in Dallas um, and in other metropolitan areas and, and worldwide, but certainly in Dallas, was that there were certain ingredients that really helped its, its growth. I mean, mm -hmm. one of it was the religious... Um, sensitivities in in the South, yes. um, religion here uh, rather than in Los Angeles, rather in metropolitan areas, right. is, is of such high significance. Yes, and a lot of gay, gay lesbian people uh, weren't ready to give up on their religion. Right, uh, and so uh, the cathedral, in some ways, was the only game in town right. um, that they could really possibly be. And at the same time, um, you know, just a few dec a few years down the road, you know, HIV/AIDS was about to. Um, right. be a part of the gay community and so the so, so I'll delay that yeah. conversation just a little more to keep picking up on what you're saying here about the religious culture of Dallas mm -hmm. and the fact that so many gay and lesbian uh, Christians were in churches that were more conservative yep. uh, and uh, not finding that they uh, had a sense of home any longer there uh, and we're, we're trying to work out the connection between their spirituality mm -hmm. and their sexuality uh, and, and hold on to their sense of salvation at the mm -hmm. same time. I mean, I think that's, you know, for, for many people that, that, that don't experience the existential nature of that challenge, this was very real to them. But probably something uh, that people from the outside looking in don't know as much is just how conservative many uh, of these Christians are. Mm -hmm. I mean, sexuality is one thing, but on the on the whole, a lot a lot of people at the Cathedral of Hope, in mm -hmm. fact, are. Uh, this is not a just a bastion of liberal theology, you might say. It's a, it, 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 like every other group, it's a it, it's a mixed uh, group where there's. Uh, a, a spectrum of, of convictions about things, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to look out on a Sunday morning and see uh, folks who have very diverse theological um, understandings of, right. of faith and salvation and, you know, right. is it once saved, always saved? Is it, you know, yes. faith by works or faith by, I mean, just the, the, the myriad right. of, uh, right. of religious experience. We always uh, kind of joke that the, the two largest groups uh, of former denominations, if you will, of the folks who are at in, the, in the cathedral are either former Roman Catholics or former Pentecostals. Wow, yes, um, with a pretty strong group of Southern Baptists. Uh, absolutely, former Southern Baptists right, in, there right well. in the middle there. Yes, and so right. uh, yeah. it's, it's eclectic it and is. Uh, yeah. uh, challenging as well as um, exciting. Uh, so let's now move to the AIDS crisis mm -hmm. and, and what all of that meant. I mean, it was um, an, an incredibly important presence to have established a, a bulwark in Dallas, I would say, of a church like that at the time that the AIDS crisis hit. But what a period of mourning and grief and sadness. Uh, it, it was almost a chaplaincy to the city in a sense, wasn't it, Neil? It was, it was. And, uh, you know, kudos to uh, Michael Piazza, who, uh, yes. you know, who was the lead pastor at that time, right. um, who, who really seized the challenge and uh, galvanized the community and provided, you know, more memorials than we even are able to account mm -hmm. for. Um, right. You know, this, this particular congregation was sometimes doing two, three, four memorials a day. Yes. Um, of, of, of men who were dying of AIDS, predominantly gay men uh, who were dying of AIDS. Yeah. Um, right. And what was interesting again about that period was that in the gay community, lesbians and gay men 
very much separated themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, kudos to our lesbian women um, who really stepped up um, in that time because the men were dying, yes. um, and the women stepped up and they pre they became our nurses, our providers, wow. our healthcare providers, mm. um, our mentors, our leaders in so many different ways. Um, and it was just an incredible time of of yes mourning. Um, but also a, a, a time of really knowing what community looked like. Right. Um, and uh, we, I, I, every World AIDS Day, you know, 1st of December every year, yes. I always call upon the memory of our women mm -hmm. um, uh, who did so much. Uh, you know, they staffed our helplines. They, they brought food when nurses wouldn't bring food into the hospitals. Yes. Um, it, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, an incredibly sad sad time and you know we we really have now lost a, a whole generation of uh, of men mm. um who you know in the in the in the natural cycle of life um were the mentors to the young folks who yes. were coming up and who were coming out right. and that whole generation um, almost almost extinct i mean almost left us so it's really part of the dna now of your church in large measure there's there's a sense of the um, uh, the, the lingering uh, history of that ministry mm -hmm. and those um, pioneers and the losses and, and whatnot that I think continue to be part of that. And yet uh, the church uh, keeps renewing itself mm -hmm. and keeps finding new life and, and new hope uh, on the other side of, uh, of a crisis period like that. So you became part of the United Church of Christ, left the Metropolitan Community Church uh, formally, and joined the United Church of Christ. Tell us more about the decision to uh, become part of a more traditional mainline uh, denomination. Yeah, and I, obviously I wasn't around at those, in those right. days. Um, I'm sure there were numerous factors that, that contributed to that decision, but I think one of the um, factors was that um, the cathedral was was in some ways moving beyond just this LGBT identity yes. um, at that time. And the Metropolitan Community Churches as a, as a whole was not. Right. Um, and so there was a decision ultimately to say, look, we're, you know, we're, we're founded in, but we're moving beyond just yes. an LGB, LGBT identity. Right. Um, and so they left the Metropolitan Community Churches, which was, uh, you know, I was with Metropolitan Community Church since I was 15, so mm -hmm. um, I knew the cathedral for many, many years before it left. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a, there was a, 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 it was a great loss and it was a great sadness um, at the time, yeah. um, and, and some animosity, I'm sure, mm -hmm. um, within, the, within the denomination. Um, and then this congregation kind of wandered um, as an independent congregation for a short period of time as it okay. explored where it wanted to sit. Did it mm -hmm. want to just be an independent congregation or did it want to be part of something that was bigger? And mm -hmm. at that point, the only other denomination that was really doing any work around LGBT stuff mm -hmm. um, and other justice stuff uh, mm -hmm. really was the United Church of Christ. Right. Um, and so they began that conversation and uh, I'll say about a decade or so ago, mm -hmm. uh, formally were received into covenant with the United Church of Christ and that's where it sat for you know this last 12 or more years. So you went from being, I guess, was it the largest uh, metropolitan mm -hmm. community church uh, yep. to now the fourth largest of the uh, UCC churches, but you have a much uh, broader uh, communion now in a sense. You have uh, uh, the UCC, uh, United Church of Christ, has uh, 
uh, shared ministerial relationships mm -hmm. with other denominations as well, and you're part of a much broader mainline Protestant tradition. So in a sense, you've gravitated uh, toward uh, the center of American Protestant religious mm -hmm. life, you might say, yeah. while other church traditions, uh, congregations and denominations have been moving more also toward mm -hmm. you yes. in terms of uh, LGBT inclusion and the like. So there's, there's a kind of mainstreaming happening uh, in, in all of this for everyone in a sense. And certainly that's true of our congregation, mm -hmm. as you know, mm -hmm. uh, in, in making that. And part of the real joy for us as, as a church has been uh, the, the coming to know you mm -hmm. all. And we'll talk more about that uh, uh, as we continue. But, uh, but, but it's been a, a, a wonderful healing time and and growing toward a kind of center that really is around Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. around our common faith and confession, and, uh, and not so much just around um, issues, but uh, around our common faith. Absolutely, and I, and I really do believe that, um, you know, again, for such a time as this, that the cathedral um, in its affirmation and reclaiming of Christianity for the LGBT community um, really has been a gift both to the United Church of Christ as it's also struggled to mm. find its place around LGBT issues yes. um, and other denominations and other congregations locally who have been on that journey. And, mm. you know, uh, the cathedral now kind of talks about itself as a vibrant, inclusive and progressive congregation. Right. Um, mm. You know, and, and, and I think that the gift that we now offer, not just as a, a, a congregation here in Dallas um, and broadcasting worldwide, but I think also for those who are coming out of evangelical traditions. Right, right. Um, not because they're LGBT, um, mm. but for other reasons. Yes. Um, who are seeking a place where they can reconcile their faith and, yes. and their often rejection by the church. Right, and, and it's important to say that while we've used language of issues, like with LGBT, people are not issues no. uh, and and we this is sort of shorthand for some of the challenges that we face in terms of negotiating our social convictions uh, in, in our faith uh, but as you say there's uh, there's a lot more uh, going on in American Christianity today and in people's spiritual journeys where it feels like the um, the floor is shifting beneath us and we're trying to find our uh, a place to stand as we negotiate these growing convictions of where would Jesus be mm -hmm. uh, in, in our time? Yeah. Uh, and with whom would he be? And with mm -hmm. whom would he stand? Uh, let's pick this up again after the break, Neil. And I, I wanna talk more about uh, your own journey mm -hmm. and, and how you've come to this place in ministry. So uh, we'll take a break and promote uh, some nonprofit that is pretty dear to your heart. Yes, thank you, George. Okay. Thank you. Faith Forward Dallas at Thanksgiving Square is a broad and diverse coalition of Dallas's faith leaders dedicated to service, hope, and a shared vision for North Texas. Faith Forward Dallas creates and supports a community of respect and compassion for all. Sharing in the mission of the Thanksgiving Foundation to heal divisions and enhance mutual understanding. We're back with Neil Cazares Thomas, the pastor, senior pastor of Cathedral of Hope here in Dallas. Neil, um, we've, we've been talking about the journey of your church, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that spiritual journey uh, is also in some ways mirrored in your own journey spiritually. 
And I always love on this program to talk about people's sense of call to ministry, their own um, Christian experience and call. And yours is a fascinating one. Well, each of ours is, I suppose, really, if we listen yeah. carefully enough. Uh, but uh, take us from uh, growing up actually in, in England and in the Mormon faith mm -hmm. and, and your family's experience and how all of that happened. Uh, I, I think people would be fascinated by this journey. Uh, well, it really is. I mean, when I look back, it's uh, remarkable that I find myself where I am today. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up in, um, in England on the south coast in a place called Bournemouth, uh, right down on the beach. And um, my family was some of the early converts to Mormonism in the United Kingdom. People always say to me here, oh, they have Mormons in England. And I say, yes, anything was more exciting than the Church of England at that time. <laughs> um, but they were some of the early converts. And um, my mom and dad, uh, I'm one of seven kids. Okay. Uh, my twin brother and I are the youngest, okay. uh, and so we were all Mormons uh, right the way through. Um, when I was about two or three years of age, uh, my mom and dad divorced, mm -hmm. um, which you know was okay in the Mormon church, um, and uh, my mom got custody of the church, uh, and ah. so we all stayed in the Mormon church. And um, you know, just like every family, a one-parent family, the Mormon church, I will say, were, were just incredible. They were. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, one of the things I love about the Mormon tradition is the way that they take care of each other mm -hmm. um, and certainly know how to do that well. And we certainly went through a lot of crises in our, in our early childhood and mom is a single parent and the mm -hmm. church were just remarkable. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, that I bring into my, my own life. Um, but by the time I was about, ooh, I would say seven, eight or nine, um, my mom had met someone um, who she wanted to marry. Um, and she went to the uh, the Mormon bishop and said, you know, I want to get married, and can we have the marriage ceremony here in the, the te in the in the in the state in the the, the temple? And uh, they they basically said no uh, because he was not a Mormon, mm -hmm. um, and uh, unless he was willing to convert to Mormonism, then there was no way there was going to be a wedding there. Um, and so they eventually got married in a registry office in, in England, um, but it, and we left uh, the Mormon Church at that point. I, th I think. Um, my mom was at the point where it was like I've dedicated my life to this particular church, to this denomination, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so she felt that rejection. Yes. Um, and we left the Mormon church. What was ironic about uh, that was that uh, about six or eight weeks later, my mom found out that the man she had married was already married. Um, oh my goodness. And so uh, the wedding was annulled, but the damage was already done. Yes. Um, and. Uh, but it taught me a really valuable lesson, George. Um, and the valuable lesson was that churches are made up by human rules. Yes. And uh, the church can be wrong. Mm. And uh, I never realized at that point how important that message would be to me um, later right. on. Well, um, because if you, if you just stop and unpack that a little bit, here your mother had to choose between love mm -hmm. and the church. Yep. And, uh, and the church said, that we know best about how you're supposed to uh, uh, express your love, mm -hmm. and so that will that will find its way into the rest of your ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, I I was not I was not done with my spirituality. Um, I know my mother wasn't either, but mm -hmm. but it was so wrapped up in identity of church. Yes. Um, and so we, you know, we eventually moved up to, to London, and um, my mom, I think, quite frankly, was well over parenting at this point. She'd already <laughs> parented seven of us. Uh -huh. uh, and I found myself uh, taking myself off to church on Sunday morning. I would go to a Baptist, not Southern Baptist, yeah. uh, British Baptist, um, yeah. and Methodist, and Anglican, uh -huh. and just found myself in churches on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and. Uh, 
At the same time, I was coming to a, a real deep understanding that I wasn't like my brothers and my sister who you were all out dating and mm. uh, getting married and um, mm. that I, I had same-sex attraction and that I mm. was uh, interested in, in, in men rather than women. And uh, through a whole slew of circumstances, far too long to get into, uh, by the time I was uh, 14 and a half, close to 15, um, I, I, I was out of the closet. I was, mm -hmm. um, I'd already told people that I was gay. Um, I was outed by my twin brother. I always like to tell him that. Uh -huh. um, and I found myself uh, just after my 15th birthday. It was like the, the 15th birthday or the week after. It was very close. Uh, walking into my first metropolitan community church uh, mm -hmm. back in my hometown um, okay. in Bournemouth, England. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I walked in, there were six people. Uh, they were renting a room um, in a, a moose hall. Uh, wow. It was the most bizarre worship spirit experience I'd ever been to. Um, but there was something about this group of people yes. that reminded me of the Mormon church, reminded me of my roots. Okay. And I felt home, and uh, I I've stayed in that congregation all the way through my seminary education. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I left school and went straight to seminary education. I was 18. I graduated when I was 22. Wow. Um, ordained when I was 23, mm. and actually pastored that congregation. Oh my goodness! Uh, for for 13 years after that. Gee whiz! Um, well, what brought you to the states? So uh, about 10 or 12. So this was also during the AIDS pandemic uh, okay. that it hit the UK, and so a lot of my time was spent. Uh, as chaplain mm -hmm. um, yeah. and building AIDS hospices and AIDS yeah. helplines and right. um, at the same time doing a lot of work with homeless folk. Mm -hmm. um, I remember vividly being accused by the city council uh, in Bournemouth of promoting homosexuality by feeding the homeless um, wow. and uh, getting an apology from the city council oh, really? uh, eventually. Okay. Um, being honored by the Queen of England for services to the Bournemouth community wow. and just, just it was a, such a fruitful part of my, my mm -hmm. ministry and formation of my ministry around justice. Yes. Um, and uh, about 10 or, 12, 10 or 11 years in, I got a call from our denominational headquarters in Los Angeles and said, you know, have you thought about coming stateside? Um, and I was, you know, coming up on 35 and I thought, well, I'm still young enough to uh, pick up and leave and go. And uh, mm -hmm. when I was eventually told that they would like me to um, consider the founding church, the church in Los Angeles where Troy started it all and Troy is still a member and still attends every Sunday. Yes. Um, I was like, oh, hell to the no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like far too big a jump from this, you know, small yes. town in England to the metropolitan of Los Angeles. Um, but eventually um, I was uh, elected and called to that uh, position and um, I was there for just on 13 years. Right. There's, a, there's, a, there's kind of a pattern emerging. Uh, yeah, 13, 13, 13. And 13. Um, okay, you've only been three here Three now, here, so, so yeah, well, I, my plan is to retire out of this conversation. Excellent, okay, so, all right, very uh, good. And yeah, so went to the MCC in Los Angeles and pastored there and uh, uh -huh. moved them three times uh, for different reasons, mostly because we mm -hmm. outgrew the space or... Right. Um, and uh, then um, was on a different trajectory. I was okay. not necessarily looking to be the pastor of Cathedral. Right. Um, uh, there was uh, some thought in me of, of becoming the new moderator of the MCCs once yeah. Nancy retired. and. Right. That shifted um, uh -huh. in my, my deep prayer. Happily for all of us. Well, yes. you know, and I, I just have to say, I love Dallas. I mean, there's real work to be done here. Yes. It, you know, Los Angeles is great, but everyone, you uh -huh. know, people have kind of got the, 
the progressive message there. Right. Um, well, and I think you've come to Dallas at a really important time when things are being reshaped mm -hmm. uh, in our uh, uh, church and uh, multi-faith community. Uh, and you're very involved with Faith Forward Dallas yep. uh, and with other um, ecumenical and interfaith and multi-faith sorts of, of groups. And so uh, this is um, a really fruitful time for you to have come as we're exploring lots of new paths together. Um, I'm, as I say, it's a very exciting journey. And I tell you, the one thing that's, you know, I keep saying this and I, I really deeply mean it. Um, you know, for, for the first, I don't know, at least decade and a half of my ministry, um, I, was, I was the belligerent minister who would always raise my hand and say, well, what about us? What about yeah. us? Um, and silence, quite frankly, um, uh -huh. told that, you know, I was going to go to hell, but we're tolerating you by sitting at the back of the bus. Yes. Um, and now, you know, all these years later, um, I haven't changed that position, but I'm no longer being silenced. I'm being, my voice is being encouraged and affirmed and lived into and that's a I have to keep pinching myself that this happens in a lifetime because for many people yes. this you know this is something that they leave as a legacy and somebody else picks up and right um, I'm living the dream in so many different ways yes. of, of yes. being able to be influential and uh, to actually make a difference um, well you know Neil it's an interesting challenge that we have when we have conversation with people about uh, these matters because uh, for some this is uh, a, a sure sign of the Holy Spirit's activity mm -hmm. in the church and in the world that uh, the table is getting bigger, mm -hmm. uh, that there's more seats at the table, there's more room, and it's not just that we're at the table, but that we're also uh, actually on the field, we're mm -hmm. working together, together. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> for others, it's a sign of uh, the spirit of the age and of culture uh, diminishing the, the values and uh, standards of the church. And it's, uh, it, it's hard to work that out with people of faith, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard to, to help uh, negotiate that conversation, isn't it? It is, it is difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we live in a particular period of our history in this country um, where Christianity, um, you know, has been hijacked. Mm -hmm. um, and Christianity has been hijacked by a political move mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that is about privilege and mm -hmm. is often about white men. Yes. Um, and I think it's more difficult these days to reconcile um, watching families separated at the border mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and watching people go without health coverage and, right. you know, and, and the Christian church and I talked that about the dominant voice of the Christian church, not mm -hmm. those of us who are perhaps on another side, but the dominant voice of, a, of the Christian church, almost either being silent or saying that this is you know, mm -hmm. God's will. And I don't know how you read our sacred text, right. um, how, you, how you worship a Jesus who was a refugee born into a manger on Christmas morning and fled, um, and to fled to Egypt <laughs> you know, um, as a refugee and, you know yes mm -hmm. and, and not see right. that the gospel compels us yes I mean it's not it's not a choice it's a compelling commandment right to love our neighbor right so I think that there is a I, I, I do believe that there's a, a reawakening in the church um, and right. that regardless of where we fall on the sexuality spectrum, right. uh, those issues aren't really important. The important thing is, did we, did we, did we, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. And 
It, it comes down to the very heart of our faith and truly of all faiths, isn't mm -hmm. it? Uh, that uh, love God and love neighbor, uh, the golden rule, mm -hmm. somehow is at the heart of every one of our faiths. And for, for Christians to hear me say that, some, for some Christians, they would feel that that's sort of a watering down of the distinctiveness of, of our, our faith in, in Christ. Uh, but uh, I think you know, the, the radical center, and the word radical actually mm -hmm. doesn't mean fringe, it nope. means to go right to the center, yep. the core of, of our faith. That is what Jesus said was the heart of the law. Mm -hmm. the heart, and that's the good news yep. uh, that he has come to proclaim, that the fact that, that God's love is unconditional and God's grace is for all and that all are welcome mm -hmm. uh, through uh, this uh, path of God's uh, irresistible and unconditional grace. Yes, uh, yep. It's an extraordinary uh, good news and, and we're called to live it. We are called to live it. And um, you know, when we fail to live it, or when we we you know, we we look at Christianity just through the Western lens, mm. um, you know, we we miss the richness of the Great Commandment. Right, um, and it, it saddens me that you know we stand up so often in our churches and you know, talk about God's blessing um, and how we live yes. into that blessing without even realizing that the blessing is only given that we might share it, that we might bless others. Yes, yes. Well, Neil, you are a blessing to me and to our Dallas community, uh, and especially to the church. We're very grateful for your ministry and for your being here in Dallas with us now. And we have more uh, conversation in another episode, but uh, I'm just continue, continuing to thank God for your presence and for your friendship. Thank you, and the, 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 the sentiment is absolutely uh, returned. Thank <laughs> Terrific. you. Thank, thank you. you for being with us. Thanks, George. Okay. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. Faith Forward Dallas at Thanksgiving Square is a broad and diverse coalition of Dallas's faith leaders dedicated to service, hope, and a shared vision for North Texas. Faith Forward Dallas creates and supports a community of respect and compassion for all. Sharing in the mission of the Thanksgiving Foundation to heal divisions and enhance mutual understanding. 